Welcome to the Retzel Health Law Hotspot. Health Law Hotspot is a podcast for physicians and health professionals that covers the legal issues and trends that affect the healthcare industry. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Health Law Hotspot. I'm Erica Adler, shareholder at Retzel and Andrus and leader of the healthcare practice. Today, I'm joined by Karen Adenolfi, who's part of our employment services group, and she's been one of my favorite guests to have on. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so welcome. We're going to really be talking about a super hot topic today, and this has to do with the events of October 7th, uh, when the war between Israel and Gaza started, uh, or Hamas. I should say. And there's been a lot of emotion surrounding this topic. And in particular, we've seen a lot of healthcare providers, healthcare workers sharing opinions, engaging in certain acts, posting on social media, and doing certain things related to their opinions on this topic. Uh, maybe they're anti Palestinian, maybe they're pro Hamas, they're anti Semitic. And so, one of the things we want to talk about today is as a healthcare employee, lawyer. How should you be handling these events? What rights do you have in terms of being able to terminate or not terminate? What obligations do you have to your patients, to your other staff within your practice? And looking at this from a purely employment perspective, because one of the things that's happening is I'm getting some calls. This is coming from our practices where they're describing to us certain events uh, that are occurring within the practice, comments that are being made, some of the activities of their staff, and they're not sure. So I thought it would be a great topic where we could really talk about how to handle this from an employment perspective, because just like any other employment situation, the rules haven't changed. You have your employment policies, you have your employment contract, and we have the general laws of the state and the country that govern these type of topics. So we still need to look to those things for our answers to make sure that we're handling things appropriately. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today, a little bit of a mouthful. But what I wanna do is start by asking you, Karen, you see what's going on out there. You see people are posting things on social media. Um, it could be their personal account. Uh, it could be an account on Twitter where they're identifying maybe where they work. And I guess the question is, what kinds of things can be posted? What kind of things can't be posted? At what point do we start getting into kind of an employment situation, even though, you know, it's not always 100% clear? Yeah. Well, the first thing I want to say, just to sort of address, I think what sometimes is the elephant in the room, is that the First Amendment does not apply to private employers. So if you are a purely private employer, uh, you know, healthcare practice, whatnot, you if someone says you're violating my First Amendment rights, that's just not an issue. But like Erica said, um, what you have is your policies, your procedures, and then the general laws of the state uh, that you operate in as well as the, um, of the United States. So saying that, um, certainly our employees are allowed to post on social media. They're allowed to have lives outside of the office. Um, and I don't think anyone would really dispute that. But an employer does have an interest in making sure that even if it's sort of off-duty behavior, that it doesn't come back into the workplace, whether through, um, you know, the effect on your other employees, effect on your patients, um, you know, effect on the reputation of your practice, you know, the feeling that perhaps this particular employee or physician um, wouldn't be giving the, you know, the right standard of care to someone that they, you know, were posting about or posting against. Um, and so the employer really does have that 
that right uh, and somewhat that responsibility to make sure that what is being posted publicly that can be tied to your your practice um, is appropriate, um, is not bringing you know a misguided light onto your practice, and is assuring your patients, the public, your workplace that you know this is a this is a practice that takes its obligations seriously, that it employs highly skilled doctors and other professionals, and that you know someone's political views aren't going to taint that impression. Right. So if somebody's out there, and let's just say they're posting something very anti-Semitic. Uh, Hitler didn't get the job done. Um, you know, the more Jews killed, the better. Uh, who cares about how many Palestinians die? They all deserve to die. Making this up completely. But just giving you examples of some of the things that actually have been posted. An employer hears about it and their first thought is, you know, oh my God, <laughs> well, what am I going to do? And this may be a great employee. It could be a doctor. It could be a dentist. So what is the first thing they should be doing when they see that this has been posted? And usually it'll be that they're probably getting bombarded on social media, yeah. you know, getting tagged and whatever. What should they do first? Well, first they want to, you know, take a good look at what's actually been posted. Um, it could be that it's just not clear. Maybe it could have been worded more artfully. But if, as you say, it's, it's something that's, you know, we would find to be reprehensible, unacceptable, I would address it with the employee first and urge them to remove it. Um, they don't obviously don't have to. It's, you know, nothing you can force them to do. But that to me would be your first step, you know, explaining what the ramifications are. Um, it could be they just didn't realize, um, they didn't think you'd ever find out about it, that kind of thing. They may be very willing to do that. Um, if not, consult your policies. You probably have, um, some sort of, you know, communications policy, you know, usage policy, even a social media policy, um, as well as your, your policies such as harassment and EEO. Um, and you look at those, you know, would this cover that behavior? And typically, you know, it, it, I would hope that they'd be broad enough that they could, that, you know, you have someone out in the public making these comments that could, you know, very well cause somebody um, whether a patient or a fellow employee, to feel as if they're being targeted or that they could not expect fair or equitable treatment from this person. Um, and if your policies, you know, could conceivably cover that, I think you could look at discipline of that employee. Um, obviously, if they have a contract of employment, that's that adds another layer to this, that you would have to look at, you know, permissible ways to discipline under that, under that contract. Um, but, you know, if the contract says they must follow all rules and procedures of your practice or has some other, you know, definition of, uh, you know, what just causes or whatnot, um, you know, again, if, if you're if you can do it, even if you might think, oh, this might not stick down the line, you know, sometimes it's better at least to let someone else say, you know what, that was OK for them to do. Um, you might want to take the stand right now and say, you know what, we're not going to tolerate this. Um, you know, here's your discipline, whatever it is. Is it termination? Is it suspension? Is it last chance agreement? Whatever it is, um, again, you've taken the stand and say, we are not going to tolerate this behavior and to assure our patients and our fellow employees that um, this is a, a place where you can, you can expect to be treated fairly and without this kind of hostility. Right. And many uh, contracts, especially for doctors, for example, working for hospitals and larger practices, will definitely have a reputation provision yep. in there 
checks that allow for termination. I believe that's probably the one that most of them are using right now uh, to immediately terminate. And I think even for those that don't, they're just terminating and they'll say, we'll figure it out later. You're bringing- Right, let somebody else bring them back or, or yeah. whatever the remedy is because right. we're not, yeah. you know, we're going to take a stand and if our contracts don't cover this, well, they should. And, um, right. you know, we'll let somebody else figure that out. Um, you know, the, it could be the reputational clause. It could be the, you know, just the general clause of you must follow our policies um, or, you know, conduct that's whatever, however it's phrased, conduct of becoming, conduct that cast doubt on your ability to perform your duties, whatever it is. Right. Um, and, you know, invoke those things because, like you said, when you're out there, um, even if you don't specifically reference your employer, people will know, um, you know, your patients will know. Um, oh yeah, I mean they're going to know who it is, and to think right. that's never going to come back to the employer, I think is is a is a right. fantasy. And and this is you know my goodness that social media machine out there mm -hmm. they're catching they're they're tracking down every single person. So I don't think anybody's safe thinking nobody's going to know or your employer is not going to find out. You know, uh, it's absolutely. Although you I will, I, I do find that the younger generation really still even after all these years has a sense that whatever I put out there, it's mine, that right. I, can, I can say whatever I want and right. either no one's going to find out or they can't say anything about it. That's just right. not and, true. And along those lines, some of the most egregious postings that have been reported are coming from uh, medical students mm -hmm. and residents and fellows. So if, you know, think about your future career and reputation, if, if this is something that gets back, let's say you don't get terminated from your program and you get away with it, it's still out there. Oh, and it's the internet's forever, like they say. And, yeah. um, you know, screenshots will survive you taking down your post. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I would never assume that it would just go away. And right. I think that's, you know, the lesson we, we tell every sort of young professional is that, um, be if careful. you don't want it, if you don't want anyone to find out, just don't do it. I mean, it's, it's not a matter of hiding it or taking it down. It's just not saying it. Well, I guess, you know, another piece of this is we talked about social media, but there's a lot of other activity going out there. We have people who are uh, marching um, at events and perhaps mm -hmm. even interviews or there's screenshots caught of them holding up signs. We have people pulling down uh, lots of posters of the, the Israeli hostages. Um, how do those type of events, uh, I guess, first of all, it comes down to the employer ever finding out that they did it uh -huh. in the first place. But let's say the employer does um, find out about these things. Is it still the same kind of analysis? Those aren't necessarily words unless they were holding a poster. Uh -huh. uh, have them participating in particular acts. So how do you feel that that, would be interpreted? Well, I think there's not that much difference between the activity you describe and social media. Um, obviously, I mean, I don't think the average employer um, thinks anything of their employees participating in political events, as long as they're peaceful and they're lawful. Um, so to the extent you have an employee who is, you know, marching in support of the Palestinian people or marching against anti-Semitism, and it's a lawful and peaceful protest, I'm not sure an employer would think much of that. But when you start engaging in the activity of, um, you know, becoming very personal, very graphic, um, you know, violent, violent, vulgar, whatever it is, you're tearing down posters, making, you know, inappropriate comments, comments that can be construed as, say, anti-Semitic. To me, that's as fair game as your social media postings. And to the extent it gets back to your employer, and 
and again, you can be identified as someone associated with that practice. Um, we all know how the media can just absolutely hammer things into the ground. So, you know, again, I just, I think it's, the employer is going to have to look at the effect on its employees, its patients, its reputation, and, you know, proceed as, you know, as it could. Obviously, it wouldn't fall under, say, a social media policy, but again, look at your harassment policy, your EEO policy, um, right. and just general considerations of appropriate behavior. Um, you know, we saw this a lot, uh, not so much a lot, but, you know, with January 6th, you know, people were caught on camera doing whatever it is they were doing, sometimes in the uniform of their employers. And, you know, the big question was, well, can you do anything about that as an employer? And the answer is, well, absolutely you can. Um, if you can tie somebody back to an employer, that employer has the right to say, we're not going to associate with this person anymore. Right. I think that's really interesting. And, you know, obviously, uh, what I find is that people are getting in trouble for these things, but it's not slowing it down at all. No. And it no. is a lot of people who maybe aren't realizing that there's going to be uh, a long-term impact on them. They're very caught up in the emotion and the moment. Well, let's talk a little bit about within the office. So within the office, we have employees interacting and a lot of them have strong opinions. I mean, um, you know, it could be about Republican versus Democrat. Mm -hmm. It could COVID, about January 6th. So there's been lots of different things, especially in the past <laughs> few years, that have created a lot of, of emotion. Yeah. And, you know, this whole situation, this war that's going on, again, is is creating a lot of emotion. I would assume that the same type of uh, rules apply within the office yeah. Yeah. in terms of how uh, you report your concerns and how you treat others. So maybe talk to that uh, from an employment perspective. Sure. You know, obviously, behavior in the office is, to me, much more clear cut than, you know, from social media or behavior outside of the office. Uh, but an employer has the obligation to make sure that its its workplace is free from harassment, discrimination, uh, those types of things. And when you have someone, you know, or a group of people in the office, you know, being very belligerent, very aggressive, um, very vocal, um, about their political beliefs, that can indicate to others that, you know, maybe they're not going to be treated as fairly. And so, you know, there's there's a couple caveats to that. Um, people are allowed to express religious beliefs in the workplace, but they don't have the they don't have the right to harass somebody, to demean somebody, anything like that. So, you know, while you certainly can say, you know, I support Israel, um, I support the Jewish people, that would likely be protected under law. But to have the kind of behavior we've been talking about in the workplace would not fall under those protections. So the other caveat is that under the National Labor Relations Act, which applies to both union and non-union workplaces, um, if employers are talking amongst themselves about workplace issues, which can often overlap with political issues, you do need to be a little careful about disciplining that. Um, but to the extent that someone is being abusive, harassing, aggressive, even violent, Absolutely. You, you have to. It's not even a matter of should you, it's that you must. And if that means removing the person from the workplace, then that's what your obligation is. And so the workplace is really you know, tied up in the policies that you have. But I would say that even if you don't have a really clear cut policy, um, you can still rely on just that general obligation of an employer to protect uh, all the employees in the workplace, not just a few. 
right? And, and to be clear, things like uh, sending emails to your employees, which are uh, harassment, mm -hmm. and posting memes, like posting signs, mm -hmm. uh, being, um, you know, just sharing visuals as well as making comments that are derogatory or anti-Semitic or uh, anti-Muslim or whatever they may be anti-anything. So it's verbal. It's something being shared via email. It's comments made with the intention of having somebody over here. Uh, it is treating people differently. Mm -hmm. um, a manager um, suddenly treating one of the employees who might be of a particular political or religious belief differently mm -hmm. than others. There's yeah. lots of ways we could see this happening. It doesn't have to be overt, like where you're no, calling. No, typically it's not. Yeah. Um, I think people, you know, at least have the sense to know that you don't just call go around calling people slurs and names and, you know, those right. kind of obvious insults. So what you do see is, like you said, the emails, you know, you have a, a Slack text messaging thing in your office. You see things on that. It's really going to be directed at somebody, at least from a coworker's perspective, really going to be directed at somebody specifically. It's going to be more of a just creation of an environment. And that's as destructive, I think, as targeting someone specifically. But yeah, you do have, again, you're not going to necessarily see it in your hallways. You're going to see it, you know, behind closed doors, uh, in the lunchroom, those kinds of things, where it's a little less um, easy to detect. Um, but right. it's, once you start getting complaints, you really do have to to move into action about that. And I think, you know, the other thing to be concerned about is what if the person to whom you're supposed to complain is the one that either, you know, supports the mm -hmm. point of view or has made it clear they don't care. I mean, you could get yourself in a, a very difficult situation. Employers really need to, you know, obviously if you have a very strong view, if you're if it's your practice and you have a very strong point of view, then nobody who doesn't share that point of view is probably going to feel comfortable yeah. working practice. And I think we have to try and be neutral. We all are human and have opinions, but in the workplace, we can't really have those opinions. We need to put them aside, which can be super hard with these heightened emotions for people to do. Oh, absolutely. And certainly if it's your business, there's always that temptation to say, I want to put my stamp on it. But like you said, you have to accept all people in your workplace, no matter their, no matter any protected classification. And so the best practice is really to say, you know, you must treat each other respectfully. That's not to say you can't have a debate about um, anything political. But it must be respectful. It must not be harassing. It must not be derogatory. And once it is, that's when we're going to put a stop to it. But the best practice really is just to be neutral. And, you know, if you have those in management, especially, and God forbid, if you have an HR person who is engaging in that behavior, you really need to take a very close look at that because that will cause you nothing but trouble, um, especially if people don't feel like they could complain um, or if that they complain, it's just going to increase the behavior. Uh, if you've got that situation, that needs to be addressed. Right. Or else possible. they'll go outside and they'll they'll file like some kind of EEOC claim. Well, that's or... the thing. You might not get the chance to fix it before it kind of blows up in your face. Right. And if, it's, and it, if the behavior is so prevalent that even like the top person in the office knows, you don't have to wait for, you shouldn't wait for an, an actual complaint. You should do something about it right. um, and be proactive. Because like you said, They'll just go out. Uncomfortable employees will just go somewhere else and seek a remedy. 
right? Now, I guess one of the last things I want to talk about is when we're talking about healthcare practices, we're talking about patients and patients come in for care. They trust their physician, their dentist, whatever, um, you know, they assume that they're going to be treated well. You know, the doctor has an oath, uh, you know, to take care of that patient, regardless of, you know, their anything particular about them. Um, there have been a couple of situations where people have posted things that made patients of particular religious backgrounds feel like, how can I go you know, to that particular doctor. Uh, there was a pediatric physician who posted something, and this is alleged, obviously, but something to the effect of, you know, it's a good thing all those Israeli babies were killed. And this is a pediatrician. So how do, you know, how do any patients, particularly Jewish or Israeli ones, can they go to that doctor? Now, in the moment, the doctor may have said that and felt that way, I have no doubt that he or she probably take care of all babies just fine. You know, it's one of those those moments. I, I find it yeah. hard to believe mistreat. But they put that message out there then about their professionalism, which could end up resulting in some kind of further investigation, a licensure issue. There was a dentist who literally talked about the idea that, you know, when and he was, um, I believe, you know, I don't know if he was from, uh, if he was Palestinian or what country he was from, but he mentioned that when his Israeli patient comes in, he gives him extra anesthesia to shut him up or something to that uh -huh. effect yeah. now that you're doing something that's not professionally necessary that it's not the standard of care again opens you up to a licensure and investigation um you know failure to prescribe over prescribing failure to diagnose over diagnosing uh -huh. or referring uh, refusing to care for um canceling appointments i mean all of these kinds of professionalism things take the words and actions a little bit further uh, to actual patient care. Mm -hmm. It's going to take a little while before this all plays out, but I'm in the healthcare world and I'm hearing a lot about these kinds of incidents occurring, some of yeah. which are media and some aren't. And so I think, you know, it's really obviously any in your grounds for termination, your policies, your standard of care, the fact that discrimination will not be tolerated, uh, et cetera, obviously, standard provisions. Mm -hmm. um, and I assume the same analysis, like let's say they're not posting something, but they suddenly are canceling all of a particular type of patient or uh, or refusing, you know, certain mm -hmm. types of care or, or, or just doing something that's related to a particular class of patient. I assume even though that could be really subtle to pick up on, mm -hmm. the same analysis would still apply. Absolutely. I mean, again, like you said, if you can detect it, um, you have to address it. It's it's not necessarily a, an employment issue because, you know, when you're talking about a patient, obviously that's in a different sphere. But at the same time, when you're talking about standard of care, you know, the simplest thing is, you know, constantly canceling this type of appointment or per, appointment for, you know, this category of patient um, opens the practice up, not just the physician, but the practice up to charges of, you know, discrimination, like you said, you know, licensure issues. Um, and it really, you know, to the extent it, it is known, and we all know the media can't resist this kind of headline, um, that'll destroy your practice. I mean, I, I just can't see um, keeping it, any physician that has the poor judgment to either be as explicit or implicit as we're talking. Um, I just wouldn't want to be responsible for them because that's going to come back on the practice, especially if we know about it and we're not addressing it.
Right. Absolutely. And, and it's so hard to know. I think, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to kind of talk about this today was because, you know, what we're seeing is really something quite new and explosive. We saw uh-huh. hints obviously, but I think a lot of practices that don't have their own inside counsel. Uh, they don't necessarily have, um, you know, a lawyer to call up right away. They're just not sure what to do. And some of these people that are engaging in this behavior may be wonderful the doctors and dentists, generally uh-huh people that are very caught up in emotion and they're making bad decisions. But that aside, a practice is a business and Mm -hmm. the practice protect the business and your obligation as the owner of the practice, the manager of the practice, shareholder, member, whatever the practice is to protect the business. And I think, you know, sometimes uh, those decisions are not being made appropriately where you're, you're, you're supporting the person as an individual, which is completely human and understandable understandable yeah but, but from a business perspective is not the correct oh, approach absolutely and a lot of times when i get faced with that question of well he's our best he's our biggest generator he's the patients love him um you have to say well how valuable is he to you if he's making these kinds of statements he's maybe maybe not the you know the, the stellar performer that you think um, but take a closer look rather than just say oh this is just emotion. This is just a temporary thing. Take a closer look at that. I mean, I think if you're a true professional, um, you know, you know how to conduct yourself. And if someone's not doing that, it really does warrant, you know, going beyond just the the, the superficial and and looking more more closely at it. And if you need to, taking action. I mean, that's that's how you protect the practice. Right. I agree. And short of termination, I mean, there are some other things that could be done. Uh, there can be uh, suspensions. There can be um, requirements for somebody to seek counseling mm-hmm. or be aided. I don't know that some of the behavior we've talked about today necessarily lends itself to that. But in the particular circumstances where somebody's just been, you know, easily swayed and just needs to be maybe more educated or to understand how to better communicate or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Hopeful there are other solutions. I mean, going around terminating everybody when there's so many people doing these things didn't seem like a great outcome, but, uh, you know, it, it's hard sometimes to find a way that that doesn't keep you at risk if you're the business. Absolutely. And a lot of times, to the extent it can be chalked up to emotion, to, you know, this is sort of the first you know, big thing I've, you know, had to experience in my professional life, you know, that that person may be able to realize and go forward with no problem. Um, and that's why I think you, you have to look at each case. Um, I think a knee-jerk reaction to terminate um, or a knee-jerk reaction not to terminate is never going to be, the, the, it's never going to be a one-size-fits-all. So when you're faced with these kinds of things as an employer, um, you have to look at potential. You know, does this, per, you know, Maybe we give them a last chance agreement. Say, well, we're not going to tolerate this if it happens again. You know, and in the meantime, you're going to go do some whatever, anger management, whatever it is. Um, That may do the trick. Um, But you also know your employees pretty well. And you know which ones are going to take the correction and those that won't. And, you know, again, it's never never an easy decision to make. um, But you just have to do what's right for the practice and for your patients. Now, we've been talking about healthcare, but certainly what we're talking about applies to all types of employers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen misbehavior by all types of employees out oh, there. Oh, absolutely. So, 
<laughs> so the same thing, the same analysis really applies for all types of employers. And just one last thing I want to mention is that if you discover through this process that you don't have good contracts, that you don't have good policies, that you don't have a good HR person, that you had no idea about how to handle this situation and or got bad advice and didn't uh -huh. handle it, you know, this is a good wake up call as well yeah. to get yourself. This is not going to be the last time there are explosive events. I feel oh. like there's more and more of them coming in this world today. And with social media, the way it is, you can definitely expect it. So I think everybody should use this as a wake up call to really go back to basics. You know, what kind of social media rules do you have? What kind of policies? How can company devices be used? What kind of repercussions are there for things mm -hmm. that impact a practice's reputation? Um, you know, how are you rebuilding relationships with your patients if these things do happen? So, um, I mean, I think I, you know, I kind of wanted to leave people with the fact that if this has been a wake up call that, you know, you need to talk to your counsel, you need to Absolutely. that you're getting some basics in place. Yeah. I mean, this is how we learn when something goes badly, we can see going forward, we would do things differently. And so, you know, again, like you said, this is a great opportunity, um, especially as we go into a presidential election year, which has all the hallmarks of being very emotional, uh, you know, very tense, that kind of thing. Maybe this is the time. If you don't have any policies like this or don't have very robust ones, let's tighten them up. Right. And, you know, again, if you're renewing contracts or drafting new ones, you know, let's make sure that they're elastic enough that protects you if you do need to exit somebody, you know, that is a disaster for your, for your business, uh, for your patients, for your reputation. Um, so those are all things, you know, take up with your outside counsel. That's, that's what we're here for. And going forward, you know, it's never going to be a perfect system, but at least you have some tools to address it if you need to. Great. I think that's great advice. All right. Any last thoughts on this topic? Just if it's not one thing, it's going to be another. So um, and it, it, they always right. take different forms. I mean, I, I think pure political dispute is much different than what we're seeing here with uh, Israel and Palestine. And, you know, you just have to be prepared for all of it. Um, it's unfortunate. It is a reality of our workplace that stuff doesn't stay outside. It, it all comes in. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, I think when you expect to in, instruct your employees that you must be respectful. Um, a lot of times that goes a long way. I absolutely agree. Well, thank you, Karen, for joining You're us. Welcome. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. This has been the Retzel Health Law Hotspot. You can see more of our podcast at ralaw.com. I'm Erica Adler, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. The Retzel Health Law Hotspot is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Wetzel Health Law Hotspot does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Wetzel Health Law Hotspot should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have.